0: It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Chris, you got shot. You wrote a book called Shot in the Dark. And sometimes we would we would look at that and think, well, it's just a shot in the dark, like taking a chance. Mm. Like trusting in luck. Well, this is bad luck. <laughs> That's right. That's what they would you call got it. It's not just a shot in the dark. You got a shot. That's right. What, in how- the dark, in the dark, yes, <laughs> at nighttime.
1: Well, it, it it is quite a story, uh, Paul. And thanks for having me on. This is yeah. uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, I am thankful for you and thankful for Christian Men's Network who has spoken into my life as a young as a young man and uh, continues to do so. So, I just want to honor you and your father, uh, the great uh, uh, Mister oh, Cole. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just want to say that, but yeah, it's a, it's a quite, quite a story. Uh, I grew up hunting my whole life uh, in Arkansas with my dad as, as a young age. Yeah. And um, so we, we, the ins and outs of hunting Saturday morning consisted of us praying together and then going to the woods and um, <clears throat> learning that. That's and, what you uh, said
0: in your book. You said, man, Saturday mornings was before it was uh, a whole dark 30. You'd be <laughs> up and uh, out there looking for something. That's right. We've been
1: around and we were, weapons yes. and hunting and everything else your whole life. That's right. And so that taught us safety, hunters' safety. I actually have taken hunters education, uh, because that was a it was a it was important. So we and you and it is required, uh, but at the same time, some people who have been grandfathered in uh they didn't have to take it. But we we've been hunting safety courses all our life. We know about Hunting and pointing a gun, knowing the the main rules are know what you're shooting at and what's beyond your target. Uh, <laughs> the those main the-
0: <laughs> rule is know what you're shooting at. Cause the bottom line, here's here's the latest cut to it, and then we'll come back and fill in the blanks. You're you're out with some some friends. Yeah. And uh you're on the other side of a, a pond, sort of large small lake pond, and uh in the middle of the night, you got shot. Mm -hmm. okay now we're going to fill in the blanks on this thing but dude here's a guy who's hunter safety knows all the stuff and that number one rule know what you're shooting at somebody just got a little too excited thought they were shooting at a, a animal in the distance and hit you i'm talking with chris McRae. this is the brave men podcast and uh, I'm Paul Lewis Cole, and my friend uh, Pastor Chris McRae is uh, is going to share with us. He wrote a great book. I heard you share this. I heard you speak this at a men's conference, and I was just knocked out. I mean, mesmerized. And you had us this near-death experience, and you had us laughing about it too. And uh, then you've written this book, which just came out called Shot in the Dark by Chris McRae. It's M-C-R-A-E, and it's available on Amazon and anywhere. The best books are sold, because that's the only place this would be. Yeah. And uh, you pastor a church in Texas, Dallas area, yeah, sure. church, which that's a whole story. You know, you you basically started sweeping, right? at that church.
1: That's right. I was the janitor at Sojourned. I was 19 years old uh, in Bible college. And I'm asking if I could, where they need me to to preach and where they need me to speak to the people that need to hear (laughs) the word of the Lord. And they handed me a mop and a broom and a bucket and a duster and said, have at it, big boy. Yeah, (laughs) here you go. You want (laughs) to
0: preach here. Hey, but you know what? I'll tell you something, man. That's that's how you learn what servanthood is about. Jesus didn't teach leadership that often. He taught servanthood,
1: right? That's right. Being That's right. That's what he being, taught.
0: Being a servant has is, is put you where you are today. So I want to thank you for being on Brave Men. Brave Men is a, is a outreach ministry, the Christian Men's Network. You can go to cmn.men, find all the tools you need for discipling men, raising up uh, strong servant leaders like Chris McRae. And you and your wife now have lived in uh, Dallas for quite some time. You have, uh,
1: how many children do you have now? We have four kids. We have two boys and two girls, right? The girls are on the end. The boys are in the middle. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, grandchildren, no grandchildren. No, No not yet.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's coming sometime soon. Yeah. That's a, that's an amazing thing. And so, uh, Chris, it's great to have you on and, uh, It's good to be here. But I'll tell you the reason that it's not just getting shot. It's what you did with that and what it did in your life, I think, that makes the compelling story. So take me to that night. You're out with some friends. um, And, in fact, you and I were chatting about whose ranch you got shot on, and I happen to know the brother. And uh, it's an amazing story. But uh, tell me how that happened. What happened at that point?
1: With a, it's a pastoral retreat, uh, and so friends of ours were there. Uh, and hey, you got I, shot on a pastoral retreat. It is a pastoral retreat every year. We go. We would go hunting. We call it a planning retreat, but we really were hunting. Uh, we were. Uh, we would plan some, but we yeah. would get up in the morning, hunt, and meet together. Then go out again in the evening. <clears throat> and uh, the friends that I were that I was with. I told them some of it is a little bit my fault. I told them I was going to bed, which I was, but I was taking a detour at the lake that uh, that you spoke about. That we it was a pond, a water area. It was a beautiful night. It was a it was a, a big old moon, full moon, listening on the water, and I just took the four wheeler out to set by to pray just before I go to bed, and then all of a uh, um, all of a sudden I could hear another ATV in the distance. And I was thinking, well, surely they wouldn't come over here, but then they did. And so they stopped about seventy-five to hundred yards away, uh, and then uh, I I could hear them talking, and I hear one of them say, uh, "Do you see him?" So I thought, well, they see me because they see something. They see me, and right before I put my hand up to let them know I was over here, the four shots rang out, and four the, shots. the first four shots, he shot at me four times, and he's. It's an AK-47, uh, 7.62 hollow point bullet with a 1.6 twist rate, uh, and so those are designed to kill. That's what they make it make bullets that way. And so the first bullet went into my my left side, entered, entered in there, and and exited out my right side in my abdomen. And uh, I and the the next bullet went into my arm and lodged there, and then the other two, as I'm falling off the four-wheel, it went by my head. I could hear them zipping by my head. And immediately, I could, I mean, the pain, uh, you know, Paul, was just unbelievable. I cannot, I mean, you can sit there, and you've seen, a lot of people see those movies on CSI. They watch the movie, you know, the different movies. It shows where people get shot. It is nothing like that. (laughs) It absolutely hurts. It's a burning Intense shooting, sharp pain that does not stop. And so immediately I felt blood running down my, bursting out of my side and running down my, my jeans, my pants. Now they're sitting
0: on the other side of this little lake and they thought they saw a varmint or an animal or a hog
1: or something. It was a hog. Yes, sir. They thought they, they thought it was a hog. I've never seen one Paul drive a four wheeler before, but that's what they. (laughs) That's what they saw. I've I've been doing a long time. I've not seen one driver sitting on the four wheeler before. That's that's news to me. But they thought you were back at the lodge. They did, and I and I had a black shirt on. It really was a setup by the enemy. I had a black shirt on. That's all they could see. They couldn't see the four wheeler. They saw a black shirt and a shadow. And uh, when they shine the light, the shadow was intensified. So they they thought it was a hog. They thought I was a hog. And uh, pulled the trigger, but the only reason why he stopped at four shots was because the last shot sparked, uh, because it hit the hit the four wheeler, and um, it stopped, and it, so they stopped shooting. Drove over to where I was, and by this time I'm out of breath because it knocked the wind. I can't breathe. It knocked the wind out of me. And uh, when they came over to see me, they, they the first thing they asked was, "What are you doing over here?" And then the second question was, they said, "Was where is the hog?" There's no, there's no, there's no hog. It's me. I just told him, I said, I'm shot. I am shot. That's all I could mutter out. Wow. And so the fear, the torment that grip my heart and grip my, my mind, my soul is intense.
0: Thinking about your four children thinking about, you know, uh,
1: life. Yes, sir. Man. Am I, am I ever going to see them again? Am right. I ever going to see my wife again? Am I, and I called their names out. I said, tell my wife, Vanessa, I love her. I said I could, in between breaths, I would say just tell her that I love her. And I'm telling this was an accident. So I'm going down the line. Tell Ainsley, tell CJ, tell Luke. And then at the time, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child, Brayden. And so she was she was six months. Yeah, she was pregnant with her with her. And so I'm thinking, I'm the fact, You know, they say your life flashed before your eyes, but my family flashed before my eyes. Well, I, I all I could think wow. about was were, were them. Wow. wow. And so as we're sitting there and I'm saying that I'm and in between breaths, trying to catch my breath, um, I just, just, just told, said myself, I'm going to, I'm not going to make it. Cause a guy had gotten shot a week before sometime prior with a, with a smaller gun and died and mm. shot and he, and he passed away. Uh, and so that I just knew that was my fate. I thought it was my fate, but aren't you glad yeah. God has other plans?
0: God has other plans. And uh, man, so what, what happens next? They, they throw you in the pickup or what?
1: Well, they tried to, uh, you know, Paul, they try to, they, they went to try to get help. So they come back with another elder, with another, with a, one of the, uh, another guy from the camp and um, they could not pick me up and put, it's just dead weight. Cause I dead can't weight, help yeah. And so they pick, they try to pick me up and put me in the truck and drop me twice, uh, and uh, they and I just tell them stop, like just leave me here, let me die. You guys just leave me here. And um, you know, there's a point there, uh, Mr. Cole, where I think about the fact that there's people maybe listening to this podcast. You called on some of your friends. You called on mm-hmm. some people that you knew. You called mm-hmm. on some guys that maybe you trusted in the past. And they tried, you know, they picked you up, they tried to pick you up and only to drop you, only to have you fall down again. Wow. Um, and you maybe give it, maybe at a place right now, you're listening right now, You and you wanted to give up and just say, just leave me here. And it was at that point where uh, the the man came over and bent down and he whispered in my ear, he said, Chris, we can't help you. He goes, "If you if you are going to get help, you've got to get up yourself and get in that truck. And I was like, there's no way. And somebody listening right now may be thinking the same thing. There's no way I can't do it. I've tried. Everybody else has tried. There's no way. But I put my I folded my arm over my wound and I picked myself and threw myself in the back of that truck. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I love this part because this is this is truth you can get up because the one who got up out of the tomb is on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and quickens our mortal body. Whoever is listening to this, you can get up because the one who got up Come on. He's <laughs> get up inside of you. So there's some get up. You can pull yourself up, get yourself up out of that place. And not just by yourself, because greater than that is he that's in you than he that's in the world. On, and so you, you guys, so I did. I put my, threw myself in the back of that truck and I, I, and so, and then they hit, They Paul, they hit every bump in the ranch they could find. I mean, they would hit every single bump. I mean, they were looking for him and I'm tossing around back there, but I got up. And so,
0: well, you know, that I'll never forget when you uh, spoke that and you mentioned that part where he leaned down and said, Chris, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to get up, got to get up. And I thought, you know, um, the resilient man, every man falls down. It's the resilient man, the slower man who gets back up. That's right. Nobody rides a bike the first time you fall down, you get back up. And I think in our culture, what we've done is we've celebrated staying on the ground. That's right. And and we've basically said, well, that's just the way it is for you. And so we're going to design a bunch of services and a bunch of things, and we're, gonna, we're all going to take care of you, and we're going to feel sorry for you, and we're going to help you be
1: a victim the rest of your life. But you got to get up. you got to get up out of that place. You can't stay in the same place. Why sit here we, till we die? That's what the, the, the lepers man yeah. said. Why sit here at the gate until we die? we we move i mean it's hard to hit a moving target (laughs) and so i i don't ask me how i know but anyway it's the truth is is that god has designed us to get up from that place um you know it is it is time for the men to get up and to stand up and to rise up and uh i know that god's given us a backbone so that we can stand up he's given us a tailbone so that we can be up and he's given us a jawbone so we can speak up. Come so on. he's given us what we need to be the men of God that he's called us to be.
0: So they rush you to uh, a local hospital.
1: They did not. They rushed me to the a field where the foreman the foreman had called the ambulance. Okay. And as I'm as I'm sitting in the ambulance now before this I thought I was going to die. I'll tell you this This is a quick part. It's in, it's in this book, but I was just like, okay, Lord, I know I said goodbyes, you know, they're going to say goodbye for me to my family. And I just said, okay, it's time that I'm ready. And I'll say this, uh, you know, Paul, there's something about knowing where you're going and something about knowing when you die, that there's a peace that comes over you. I know my redeemer lives. I know that he died for me and I know that I'm going to heaven. So uh, I know if there's anybody listening that doesn't, doesn't does not know the Lord, uh, you you can know where you're going. So I'm laying in the back of that truck and I'm just like, okay, God, I'm ready. And so I just said, I'm going to do what Jesus did and say into thy hands, I commit my spirit. Cause you know, yeah. cause we get religious sometimes when we, <laughs> when we're dying. And so I, the second time I said it, Lord, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Every prayer that my mother prayed over me, my grandmother prayed over me, my dad, every dream I ever had about my life, everything came flooding back. Prophetic words, dreams that I've had about what I thought God wanted me to do came flooding back into my soul. And I'm telling you what, my soul began to be flooded with hope. I had hope in that moment in the back of that truck while they were waiting to get me into the ambulance and, and everything that I, that I had given up on in that one moment began flooding back in the next of hope into my soul. Mm. And so I began to speak to myself and say, you know what? You're going to live and not die. You Mm. are, you are going to live. You're not going to faint because you've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so I began to speak to myself and tell, and, and speak life over my, Myself, because yeah. sometimes you got to do that, don't you think that, Paul? You got to yeah. think, you got to speak life to yourself, and so that's when, um, when I right as I began to do that, I, I came to the ambulance.
0: You know, I I believe right now there's a there's a man listening who needs to speak life over his family, speak life over his job, speak life over himself. Ezekiel thirty seven, the the prophet's been taken to a valley and of dry bones, and and uh, God says to queries him and says could these bones live again? He says, only oh, you know God. And God says, That's well, do right. speak to them. And so who spoke? He spoke. He spoke. And the bones came together. And the story is that then they became living and breathing. Uh, but it was the breath of life. And, and he said to the prophet, you speak life. Uh, That's Acts right. 17 says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all the flesh and sons and daughters will prophesy. Well, that word prophesy doesn't mean the gift of prophecy. It actually means to speak life into culture. Now, speaking life into culture isn't merely just standing back and speaking. It's doing something. That's right. When you're speaking life. So you had to get up. You had to get up, had had to to get up. up like David uh, in his uh, in his Ziklag experience. That's right. Every, he's lost everything. <clears throat> his, his friends want to kill him. I mean,
1: if they could have shot him on an ATV, they would have. They would have. They were thinking about it. They talked of it. The Bible <laughs> they says talk they talked of it. stoning him. <laughs> and
0: uh, but it's finally he says, Lord, I, I can't do this. He said, Well, God told him, Rise up. And he had, but he had to stand up. That's right. He had to speak up. He had to speak life over our family. And we that's have to right. Stand up. Man, over your finances,
1: so... over your family, Go over on, your somebody. life, over your future. You have to speak life. I mean, the Bible also says in that story. It's one of my favorite stories. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. He says that he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God, and yeah. so he had to encourage himself. He had to pull himself up emotionally. He had to pull himself up spiritually. He had to pull himself up mentally. He had to, he had to pull himself up so that he can he could go. Just he had to. He encouraged himself. Yeah. And what I love about that is it did not say what he did. It didn't say he put on a CD. Didn't say did he turn on a, uh, a music. It just said that he encouraged himself because it, it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and so he encouraged himself. It's, some of us have some zigzag moments, don't we?
0: Oh my goodness, man! Yeah, we all do. We've all we've all messed up. I mean, we've all been in that place. In fact, it's I feel like all of us in some ways have been shot. You know. That's unexpected right. things happen um randomness happens that's right and, uh, and yet in the middle of the chaos uh, the bible says in in the act of creation says the spirit of god was hovering right there in the chaos and i believe even that's right. today's chaos the spirit of god is hovering for those who will speak life so you get to the ambulance they take you to a hospital and at this point people are starting to make phone calls
1: it was phone calls. Well, they, they give me the ambulance, but I, I am before that I'm in the ambulance and they're trying to find a vein so they can give me some pain medicine. Yeah. And uh, they couldn't find a vein. And that's when the story where the young man said that he was going to try to go through one of my toenails to get me to get a vein. And I, that's in where I say, um, why don't you just go back and get the gun and cock it and shoot me in the head. Nobody's going through the vein in my toenail. And, um, and <laughs> I remember His brother, this brother, 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 thought it was a good idea. I don't know where he got his medicine practice. I don't know what he was thinking, but I remember him distinctly saying, "We're gonna go to his toenail." I'm like, "There's, there's no way we're going to anybody's toes tonight. We're not doing that tonight under my toenail." Yeah, we're gonna find a vein under there. Like, no, let's let's not do that. Let's 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 stay stay the course, gentlemen. Um, and then, but then it was that. So they then they it was a call over the over the line, over the wire, just said, don't give him any pain medicine. We don't know the extent of his wounds. So they wouldn't give me anything. But that's when someone that they had called a helicopter, care flight. So I was care flighted out of the the, uh, Blackfoot, Texas to Tyler. And uh, so I could hear in the distance, the helicopter, I could hear the helicopter coming. And uh, I remember listening to the uh, the the blades beat against the wind coming, and the um, the one of the EMTs said, he said, Mister McCray, do you hear that? I go, yeah, I hear that. And Then he said, that's that's your rescue. That's your helicopter. helicopter coming for you. Wow. And I remember, and and I say this in the book as well. And that is that. Um, your rescue doesn't sound like a blades beating against the wind, but it sounds like nails being beat into the hands and feet of a savior who loves you. And it sounds like him saying it is finished. And it sounds like a stone being rolled away because he has come and he has busted out of that tomb and he's given us life and given us life eternal. And he defeated death, and so that's what the sound sounds like for us. Sounds, and, uh, it's a great that's, sound.
0: That's chapter ten in the book uh, "Shot in the Dark: One Man's Story of Surrender and Survival." I'm talking with my friend, uh, Pastor Chris McRae, Sojourn Church in uh, Dallas area, and very active in the in the community. And but you didn't just start out as a pastor. You you started out as we talked about
1: right at the start. You talked you wanted to preach, and they handed you a mop. They did, Paul. I'm telling you what I was. I thought I was the best thing for ministry since sliced bread. And uh, coming out of Bible school, I was ready to give. Up. And Pastor Terry handed me that mop and that broom and that duster. And then uh, he said, "Have at it, big boy." And I and I for three and a half years. Three and a half years, Paul. I did. I served that way. I vacuumed the the worship center. And every time I'd have a bad attitude about it, this was funny. And I say this in the book. Every time I have a bad attitude, he would show up for just out of the blue, just show up. And he would say, Chris, this is the most important job in the whole church. What you're doing right now is, a whole, is, the most important, is one of the most important jobs in the whole church. I was like, what do you mean? He said, because you're the first one in this room. You know who's going to come in here as you're setting up the chairs and setting up tables and cleaning. He goes, begin to pray for the meetings that you know are going to have in this room yeah. that are, that are going to happen. Begin to see yeah. faces and begin to pray over them. And I'm telling you what, that is, I'm, I, I'm telling anybody who's listening, when the Bible says the way up is down, which means the greatest among you shall be your servant. <clears throat> I remember praying over the, the worship center, praying over the meetings their fellowship hall and different ones. And he said, you would set the tone and pray. And that's what gave me a heart for people. See, wow. I had a heart to get up and preach, but God was giving me a heart for people wow. as I was serving the people of God and helping them get the purpose of God as I served the people of God. It was it was transforming. Bible school doesn't teach. They don't teach that. I didn't learn that at Christ for the Nations. I didn't learn that at different places. That's a, but, but, it's but, a great I,
0: school, CF and I.
1: It is a great school. Life? I'm still connected can, with those guys.
0: We can fall in love more with preaching than we're in love with people.
1: That, I'm telling you, yeah. And the truth is, no one cares about what you have to say until they know you care.
0: Come on yeah it's uh we can fall more in love in fact it's part of one of the things we have to guard against as men who the Lord is entrusted with being a servant leader we have to guard against being if you will more enthralled with the the mechanism or the the ministry more than we are with Jesus that's right yes sir that's true you know, the making of a leader, J. Robert Clinton, that came out in 1988, it was one of the core things, he said, that happens to men, because their their deal was only 30 percent of, of pastors finish strong uh, and of leaders finish strong, and as stats seem to hold true through the ages. And and he said in there, he said, one of the key core elements of a man not finishing strong is he loses that explosive awe, that that amazing, uh, if you will, that that captured joy of knowing Jesus. That's right. Stop, stops. You know, you you be, if you will, you be, you be, you can become a professional.
1: That's right. Doing the just doing the deal. You know the right things mm-hmm. to
0: say right now. You have, uh, and we're going to get you out of the hospital in a minute. But <laughs> you have a uh, you had a great background. You have a father. Parents that love Jesus. Um, as a young person, they they basically matriculated through uh, John Osteen's church, the Church yes, of, L- sir. and uh, which is now a pastor by his son uh, Joel uh, Lakewood Church, great church, one of our partners and friends down there in Houston, and uh, and then but your dad, you didn't just he didn't just teach you hunting, he taught you
1: life. He did. My dad taught me uh, great, great. Uh, aspects of a living life. He, he was wanting me to be uh, a man's man. And so he would say things like uh, when you work, leave it better than you found it. he would say, when you, when, as you're working, do that as you're uh, be the best employee, you can be work hard. Don't let, don't do the handout thing. Don't, don't let people give you a, a handout when you can get a hand up. Um, be, be better. Don't, don't be a victim. You're not a victim. You're a victor. Don't let. And so he would, he would say that he, he was a no nonsense, uh, dad. I mean, he's changed some because he's so soft and now, and I never saw, I thought I saw him, see him cry and stuff like that, but he's, but he's, um, but he's not soft on the gospel. He's, uh, he's soft on, he's soft on his grandkids, but he's, he's like, wait a minute. I want to see that crazy that I saw when I was anyway. (laughs) <laughs> but he, but he's a man's man. He's a, he's a, actually I'm going to preach for him now this coming uh, Sunday night. Really? He just opened a church. He's, he's, yeah, he's 72 and he's getting ready. He just opened his church in Pond Bluff. Uh, and he is, has taught me godly principles. And what's crazy is, is he and pastor Terry, who's my spiritual father here, were born on the same day, the same wow. year, wow. and had the same football Jersey in high school. Yeah, That's a true stat. That's, that, that's, that is crazy. And that they are, uh, they're good friends. And so they, they, I'm telling you, they, they've been, you know, it's the only time you can say that you, you have two dads and it's good. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they are, they are great men of God in my life and have, and have, and have blessed me and encouraged me and made me uh, the man I am today, along with your father Ed Cole, who spoke into my life as a young man struggling with um, uh, looking, looking at and pornography and different things like that, yeah. and 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 realizing that likeness and and manhood are synonymous. Uh, hearing things like that, that those are the things that oh, shaped man. me, Paul. Those are things that shaped my thinking, shaped my the reason why you can become, and I'll just be honest, you can become a janitor and 25 years later be the senior pastor of the same church is because men like Ed Cole and my father and Terry Moore, you know, and, and you and different ones. And, and Dale Bronner, who's a, who's a mentor of mine uh, preaching and Mark Rutland, just men in my life. You cannot do this man thing alone. You can't.
0: No, you can't. It's a, it's all about brotherhood. And that's what we talk about at Christian men's network often. Uh, In fact, our hashtag is hashtag CMN Brotherhood, Christian Men's Network. And uh, talking with Chris McRae, the book is Shot in the Dark, One Man Story of Surrender and Survival, got shot. And then you take these stories and uh, you make them somewhat humorous. The fact is, other people have died from the same injuries. God spared your life. uh, And... You know, you take this in the book Shot in the Dark, Chris McRae, M C R A E. And you can find this book at Amazon and other places. What's your website for ministry? Uh, where would they find your messages and those kinds of things, Chris?
1: Well, there's two two websites. There's Chris McCrae Ministries dot com. And then there is uh this sojournchurch.org. I preach every you know, preach on Sundays and yeah. uh, our church, and you can find messages there. Uh I love to preach. But more so than I love preaching, Paul, this is what I learned. More so than I love preaching, I love people. I love people. I love the people of God. And even more so than that, I love Jesus. Uh, But I love one-on-one. I love this. You spending time with me. Uh, You know, I'm telling you what. And here's what I want to say. As as men men get the book, I want to say this to you, men, whoever's listening to this. I feel like this is a word from the Lord to you. And it's from the word, it says, when he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But every tongue that rises up and gets you in judgment, we condemn whatever weapon that the enemy has aimed at you, has his crosshairs on you. Maybe he's got his crosshairs on your marriage. I was in the crosshairs once. He's got crosshairs on your, on your life, on your finances, on your children. Maybe you got a wayward son that's out there. Uh, and he's not an or a daughter or whoever whatever you whatever you have where the enemy has put his crosshairs on you and on your life it won't work I mean he may get some shots off but it will not prosper because the Lord God the God that we know is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power of God that lives in us so I don't know who you are whoever who needs to hear this but I do know, That your life is not a shot in the dark. (laughs) He's got promise and he's got purpose and plans for your life. So you get you got to the hospital. How long was the recovery period, Chris? Uh the hospital recovery period. Well, I was in the hospital for for weeks, but the whole recovery process was about seven months. Wow. And um, seven months, and uh, you know, I'm I'm in there with this this nurse, her name is Bertha. I remember Bertha coming in there the next day trying to get me out of that bed, you know. After you've been hurt and wounded, the tendency is to stay in the bed. Come on, you want to stay there because it's comfortable. I like that bed because it made me. They, they were, you know, I had the, the the drugs or whatever and all that, and they were. But she said you're getting out of this bed today, and I'm arguing where I said no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. You're going to get up out of this bed. It's like Bertha, I'm not getting out of the bed. She goes, yes, you are today. And the next thing I know, I'd swung my feet around. And I, as I'm telling her that I'm not getting out of the bed, she is helping me up. Wow. <laughs> and so I I know that the difference between the gowns, the doctor is that one ties in the back and the other one ties in the front. Yeah. In order for you to get out, get out of the the one the the gown for the patient is the one that ties in the back, yeah. and so in order for you to get out and become the one that helps somebody else, you got to be able to tie the gown in the front, uh, and so God is changing that. And so I got out of that bed. I got up out of. The, I mean, it was tough. It hurt. It was painful. And somebody listening right now, you we would say, Pastor Chris, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the pain and the and what I've suffered. You don't know the things I've done. Here's what I do know. You got to get up out of that bed. And if you can argue with me and argue with I'll, I'll sick Big Bertha on you. That'd be the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a good... <laughs> I'll like Big Bertha on you. Man, that is a good Texas name. <laughs> and she she, she got me up out of that bed. And so I, I took two steps that day. That's all I could take. Wow. And then the next day, I took a little bit more. And the next thing you know, a few, few weeks, a month, I had walked all the way down to the front door and out of that hospital and back home because God had a plan. You know, we so often want
0: things to happen so quickly. In fact, we we think of God so often as a, as a magician, and but he always works in process. And it's that one small step that makes all the difference. Get out of the bed, take two steps. Then tomorrow, yep, take yes, three. Then the next day, take a couple more. And then maybe the next day after that, you can only do two. But at least you got out of the
1: bed. Got out of the bed. I'm telling man, you what, all a, I could, yes, man. that's great. You should. Some of you just, you got out of the bed and got back into bed. Got out of the bed. But here's the deal. You got to get up. You can't stay in the same place. It's moving same place. in the spirit. I want to go wherever the spirit of God is moving. What is God saying? What is he doing? I want to move with him. Hey, man, you know, uh, I'm going to take this. So When I preach this as a sermon, the only thing I won't have is I didn't get
0: shot. <laughs> I can preach the rest of it.
1: You can preach all of it. <laughs> you can do it too, Paul. You can do it,
0: dude. I'm telling you, man. This is a uh, uh, Chris's incredible story, and and I thank God for Chris McRae, who's a pastor who doesn't um, just want to preach sermons, but wants to see men discipled.
1: That's right.
0: You know, most uh, we talk about Bible college, and you know, I think all I think education's fantastic. I, I know you've worked on your master's. And uh, I'm working on a on a doctorate writing program right now, and and so I'm I'm into that. I'm into all of that, and getting astute and learned and building wisdom. But but you know the fact is the the rubber meets the road in the presence and the atmosphere and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right, yes, sir. And and that's where it's at, and that's what changes a man's life. And so I thank God for a pastor who who not only uh, Wants to preach, but loves people, loves Jesus, and it just sticks out all over. I've been talking with Chris McRae on today's Brave Men podcast. And uh, there's more in here. The book is called Shot in the Dark. Sojourn is spelled S-O-J-U-R-N, sojournchurch.org, and then Chris Ministries.com. And uh, Chris, what a blessing to have you with us on the podcast. I look forward to times together and look forward to seeing you at Lion's Roar the first weekend of November.
1: And, yes, sir. Um,
0: you know, I love I look forward to hanging out even more with you, Chris. You've got that thing on you, man. It's called the joy of the Lord. It's called uh it's called being shot laying on the ground and knowing
1: who your redeemer is. Yes, sir. Well, I'm looking right. forward to it as well. Thankful for you, Paul. Thankful for Christian Men Network and what it's meant not just to me, but to all the men who have been connected. And I am thankful. For you guys. I'm telling you what, there is there's I just believe the best is to continue to come as men continue to join. I'm thankful to be a part of Christian Men's Network. And I'm thankful uh to get to know you, Paul, and all that uh you're doing. You are an inspiration to me and a blessing to me. Uh those of you men that are um that are listening, um, I know you know this. Paul Cole's a real deal, and I'm thankful for him and his ministry. So you can
0: get all the resources for Discipling Men at cmn.men, cmn. Don't go to CNN. Go to cmn.men, Christian Men's Network, cmn.men. Resources for mentoring men, tools for pastors uh, to help raise up leaders. And uh, our goal is, I tell people all the time, Chris, that we're Christ-centered and church-centric. Yes. uh, We believe that the local church is the hope of the world and that jesus set that up and we seem to be an easy target sometimes where people can can hammer at us but you got to remember whose bride you're talking about
1: that's right
0: and uh i love the local church christian men's network is about that and over 100 over 100 nations around the world we're helping pastors and leaders raise up strong men to build strong families to build strong churches transform the future of the world god bless chris thanks for being with us on brave men today
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. you be blessed.
0: You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian
1: Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.